0: in front of Uncommon James then IMB up the middle but Imperatrice called
1: upon still three links in front and the Tangerine tsunami. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the Year Round Carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie.
0: G'day, thanks so much for checking out Year Round Carnival. Bit of scandal, the warrior. Did we have some warriors on Saturday? All that audio, us, of course, courtesy of Sky Racing and Racing.com. Matt Hills, awesome call on the cox plate. And Vince Accardi from Daily Sexual. Let's break it all down. Morning, mate. Hey, good morning, Rolfie. Oh, weren't they three warriors in the finish there? We're going to talk about how and everything else, but how can you not admire those three fantastic horses, romantic warrior, Mr. Brightside, and alligator blood?
1: Well, as crazy as it sounds, it was actually a fantastic day of racing in the end, wasn't it, really? I mean, pre-race I had a few different views, but the, that Cox plate is sensational.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Racing at its absolute best. So... Um, it was, it was a day that there was definitely some wind impact, and that yep. might be, be another part of uh, asking you challenging figures. But as far as how the track itself played, what was your takeaway?
1: Well, <laughs> it's uh, pretty scary, the, the way the track played. Well, the reality is this. If we look at, first of all, the lane bias, you just go through it. It's all lanes two, three, four, five, 3, That's pretty much where it all came from. In terms of where you could position yourself and win, that was uh, pretty interesting because you could come back from as far as around that six, six-and-a-half lengths, although the majority of the day you had to be sort of either leading or around that two lengths off that lead pack. That's That was the reality. Even though the grid says, as you can see, there's a couple of back markers, one and one midfielder. The rest of them were uh, leaders on pace. It's really weird... It, <sighs> It, it sort of felt like, when you look at it from a track point of view, I've, I, I really thought that that track played, you know, bang on that sort of G4 range, Rolfie. You know, mate, except for the home straight. The home straight was rock solid G3. But uh, 0.74 plus, all the way to the 200 metre mark, you're pretty much one, And the last 200 metres, 2.79 faster than standard. I couldn't knock the track really, Ralphie. I mean we knew what we were gonna get and that's how it played. A lot of talk about the
0: uh about the raw time. It was very similar to some of to Winx's best work. Mm-hmm. But of course, let's break it all down into the way you look at the races. Yes. So, romantic Warriors just beaten Mr. Brightside and, and Alligator Blood in a stirring three-way, let's call it a three-way finish. Obviously it was just the nose between the first two. Uh, when um, Romantic Warrior landed before the Turnbull Stakes, he said this is a very horse, very similar of talent to Animo. Animo last year won the Cox Plate 5.1. What did Romantic Warrior do? 5.2,
1: Ralphie.
0: <laughs> there you go. So, yep. So bang on. Uh, it it, uh, it meant that Mr. Brightside and Alligator Blood got to a new level in the Cox Plate as far as 2000 range, but that's also something that you said, well, it was right on the... Uh, on the table, even as early as when we did our Group One bonus, and how alligator blood trial. You said he's in for his best prep rep. This sounds crazy because he's seven.
1: Yeah, and this is what's happened. They really did get the very best out of the horse. Remember what four point seven, Mr. Brightside five point one. They've all run since they've run sensational. I actually, if I look at, with the exception of um, let's say Militarise, oh, not Militarise Victoria Road, they've all run. Superbly Ralphie. They really have. Juaz, Gold Trip, Zaki, Fangio, even militarized, right? Ran within a length of its uh, its PB. This was a, a fantastic race, Ralphie, for the majority horses. The downside was this. Of course, maybe if if this was a Cofield or not that I'm saying, you know, that's where it should have been. Or if it was it Flemington even with a, a wider home straight? Things could have been very, very different, <laughs> very, very different, because there were some horses that just were just like rockets, right?
0: So yeah, we'll get to that. But, but it, it, when it comes to the, those in the finish, so um, there has to be a bit of logic people need to use. Now, when I hear about you know things that oh, I was the fastest since Winks and all that type of stuff, let's look at some logic. It was a bunch finish, and second, uh, and uh, and uh mr brightside alligator blood we know what they're like now they might have gone a bit better than ever but they the the first three home were third fourth and fifth on the turn and it's a bunch finish does that tell you they were really it was a most flat out race or does that tell you it was a nice firm track and a perfectly even race shape to give these horses the chance to run to their best but they ain't in the class of some of these
1: other winners that we've had no, that's that's correct, Ralphie. And, and the thing is, this when you talk about let's let's say specifically alligator blood and Mister Brightside, one of the reasons, like let's say alligator blood first seven, gets to a new sort of level of four point seven. If you break down the structure of the race, though, that's really the cause and effect of that. Is this the optimization of the run? You just have a look at it: eight to the six point three below, six to the four benchmark four to the two, 1.7 above, last 200, 3.4 above. You can't ride it any better than that. in The first section plus 1.4. Mr. Brightside, 0.3 above, 8 to the 6. 0.5 above, 6 to the 4. 0.4 above, 4 to the two, so virtually identical, 5.5 above, last four, 200 metres. Sensational. And then, you, you, yeah, and then Romantic Warrior. Yes. What's really interesting with that is, I do tend to feel that what uh, James McDonald said is probably 100% right. This horse still wasn't at his absolute top. I I, I can believe that because the big improvement from one run to the other, which I thought was on the cards, right? And he got the golden run and he's produced a 5.2. He's probably right. There's one more run to come for this horse to, to be at his peak. And it isn't going to be in Australia, unfortunately, right? But that's—I I feel that's probably the only runner that could have got a high figure.
0: And and part of the—sorry, oh, I'll, I'll do this in two ways. Firstly, the lead speed—when we have the lead speed—was it uh, plus three, three point?
1: Yeah, three point three. Three
0: point 3. 3. three, and it was basically a lone leader in King Colorado. He we actually—we talked about this in the preview podcast. Maybe they're just going to say go out in front because he got no chance anyway. So so just roll along. but. Here's, here's some facts. I've looked at some past uh, lead speeds of a Cox Plate. Uh, 5.9, 8.7, 10.5, 11.7. This was a much slower first section than most yes. Cox Plates.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, when you look at the, the structure of the race, if King Colorado didn't go to the front, and like you said we touched on, yep, this race pace might have been another three lengths slower.
0: Which was all part of the puzzle that was yep. obviously made it a, a very challenging race form wise and the, and the proof in the pudding with the, with a blanket finish, but really a typical cox plate is about plus eight and I I had a, te- a tweet from someone sending me you know how does Vince do it but I said it's nice and simple it's 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 the start to the eight hundred meter mark and you've got a thousand and over a thousand races you've benchmarked this on
1: correct correct yeah. absolutely and the the other thing is too with Mooney Valley the way the tracks have been this season, right? It needs to have a, an additional level of duty of care in terms of the way you optimise the performances. And one of the things that I, I've learned over the years is, Ralphie, when you have scenarios like this, you you pretty much, when you put the data in, your first step is, of course, you look at the raw figures. The raw figures are the raw figures. It's 6.7 raw, Ralphie, right? Yep. And then what you do is you bring the day into its own shape. A, by the distances, B, by the individual races, and then you benchmark them. Yeah. And, and ultimately, what we ended up with is overall, I mean, from the, the speed of the track, got a downgrade of one point five. Like you, realistically, I, I couldn't have downgraded it any more than what it was overall in terms of track speed. And ultimately, they've run really. Oh, look, they've they've run really well. They, they've run to their best, Rolfie. That's all you can ask for. That's what made the race exciting. I felt in the end. No doubt.
0: Now, older horses running to a new new level in Mr. Brightside who's six and uh, Alligator Blood who's seven, and maybe you could say I get it a bit with Alligator Blood because he, he had a bad injury and the Waterhouse bot team had to sort of rebuild him a little bit. But this is one thing I learnt with a horse called Happy Clapper. So, and because I remember, this is the great thing about studying the elite races and what's happening with 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 these races. Because he ran a PB when he was eight years old. Now, that doesn't mean the horse improved at eight years old. It means he got the perfect race shape to run a
1: PB at eight.
0: And that's the case with these horses.
1: That's a, that's correct. Now, ultimately, Mister Brightside didn't outstrip his PB, right? At two thousand, though. I'm yeah, talking about two thousand. He did right. Yeah. But his overall class figure, because when you look at the IVR data, is one you can categorise it. This is how I use them. I use the Intel firstly is what's their class level, and it's the overall final overall figure. And then I look at it and, you know, put them into their boxes of distances, right? This horse does have a 5.3. Yeah. And he's ended up with a 5.1. He's just now been able to optimize it between the 1,600 and 2,000-meter range. And he got, obviously, a sensational ride. Absolutely (laughs) sensational. And it was on the cards, Ralphie, that he was going to get that ride, and he did.
0: Before we get to do it, just one other thing to, to back the truck over with these first three in the finish, because we said exactly the same thing after the Everest. From the time Romantic Warrior, Mr. Brightside, and Alligator Blood came into the stable, this was their grand final. Yeah. Grand final trainers, grand final jockeys, grand final horses. It's it's it's, it's a good filter.
1: Yeah. And what does fascinate me, because I, I know I was rambling on last week saying, we need the Cox Plate to be teaming that, yeah, but... The best possible horses for this race turned up, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And they course. ran, and they all want to win it. Like, yeah. everybody wants to win the Cox Plate. <laughs> they do, which is great. Um, it's not just about the money. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah let's see what happens when it's reconfigured and the beautiful ladies puts more money in but let's see, let's enjoy it now for what it is um Chua had a little bit of traffic the uh the great ollie in his last ever cox plate ride and, and edward cummings too like he's he's uh his awesome uh grandfather uh got the horse to peak in the, in the big day
1: yes absolutely he ran superbly this horse is on the cards to run superb and he did and i yep. felt that he ran right up to – well, when I say right up to his capability, he has had a performance that, was in the more, that are in the <laughs> mid-fours. <laughs> and, and see, this sort of reconfirms – that's the reason why Juaz was so competitive because the baseline level was in the fives. Yep. It wasn't plus sevens and eights. That's why he was so competitive.
0: So let's get to a couple of head scratches. Firstly, uh, gold trip. Now, conversely to what we said about grand final of the first free home – this wasn't his grand final, and it was doing our head in, and, and uh, in the end, you, you took a position against it. You just said, no, just do not like it off that hard 2400 run because you couldn't see pace in the race. Now, that's pretty much what ended up happening.
1: Yep, yep. And the run was fantastic. Yep. It was the perfect, perfect tune-up for the Melbourne Cup. And they made a mistake, for sure, with their their overall plans. If they really wanted the Cox Plate, then the Caulfield Cup would have had to be forgiven, right? They would have had yeah. to move away from that. But obviously there was so much noise that must have got to Kira Ma's team about, oh, gold trip's the best, isn't it? Because of the way it beat Romantic Warrior. And that's an illusion, right? Yeah. The horse isn't that much better than it, right? Far from it. In fact, it would be lucky to be better than it, right? That's <laughs> yeah. the reality. So they went for it. But this is the perfect setup now for them to potentially, which a lot of horses have done, and that's win a Caulfield and Melbourne Cup double. And this is the perfect race to be prepared for a Melbourne Cup. So, yeah, as so what you're saying,
0: the team haven't made a mistake, but they made a mistake if this was its grand final. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, Correct. just to yep. clarify that. Uh, Zaki, the old boy, he's, he's just run banger. He just keeps running to his mid-three figures. The only aberration was the Dubin Cup, but since he's been here... Uh, Plus three to plus four is pretty much he's out of range, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and he, and he ran tremendous. He yeah. couldn't have done anything more. Mike un- runs just- it all right too, doesn't yep. he? Yep. <laughs> too late. Yep. <laughs> He's a
0: freak. Okay. Uh, where, do we, where do we go? Let's get to Adam's question here. So we always uh, give our members an opportunity to ask our question. Mm-hmm. Fangirl, wow, look to have gone huge and barely tested. The data shows it. Did They go to 2,000 Flemington on Champions Day. Um, also, uh, uh, Daniel's <laughs> asked, what, what does I, IVR, does Vince project you could run a 2,000 on a bigger track? So there's a a likelihood that she'll uh, she'll go to uh the mckinnon uh, i still think i wouldn't be surprised if uh if they had a look and someone got in their ear and said let's back up next week and the empire rose over a mile because cox uh mayors have a fantastic record in that mile on uh, on derby day good mayors have come through uh the cox plate but anyway your thoughts either way
1: uh well, there was a lot of called up energy in the end, yeah. as, as you can see. But this this was always the calamity. It was what was he going to do, right? Yeah. And how was he going to? It was always going to need some luck. It was exciting, of course, right? And if you watch it after the tape, he's gone past them all, right? I, I'm like this though. If this horse runs in the comment, uh, the is in the McKinnon two thousand, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to win that, Ralphie. <laughs> right? Okay. Well, for sure, that horse absolutely confirmed that it's uh, 2,000 all day, for sure. Uh, here I am saying that about the McKinnon. There's also this little question mark now. It was a big amount of energy released at the end of the yep. race, and that could mean uh, the end of a campaign as well, right? right. So just got to bear that in mind, but the reality is the performance, the way the horse went, if this was a Crawford, this horse runs first or second. Okay.
0: Uh, and speaking of, uh, of preview podcasts, so on, uh, on the preview, you end up downgrading yourself to a C grade bet. And you said, I was prepared to take the punt yep. that, um, that this horse gets the right run. But the reason for your downgrade was you knew it had map challenges.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, it that's the caper, isn't it? It is the caper. And the other thing is as well, sometimes, I didn't sort of talk about this on the weekend. This is on the Saturday morning. You also got to take a position like where I am myself as a person. So when I look at like, <laughs> let's say my bank and how I've been performing this season, like I've been going fantastic, Ralphie, right? So if you've got some extra pennies, right, yep. in your bank, it also opens up. To That if I want to play C grade bet on a race like this, because it's this a race that most years I definitely want to play in no matter what, right? Yep. If my bank was going really poorly and I was losing, I probably wouldn't even bet, right? But because I was in a very strong position, I wanted to risk a small amount of money on this source, even though it was a calculated gamble.
0: That is the gamble, and that is that is about that is actually the uh, the the definition of gamble responsibly. Correct. <laughs> well, oh, that's so right. Because there's two ways of looking at it. One is what, what your chances of what, what do you believe the chances are of winning money in the race compared to what the market's offering.
1: But two, what's your personal circumstance? Well, this is so true, and and I and I felt I found it really difficult in the end to split. Mr. Brightside and Fangirl, and Brightside probably franked it for me. I mean, forget about all the bad luck in the home straight. The reality is, from a class performance point of view, Brightside ran right up to his number, and Fangirl would have as well. Uh, okay, and and finally, Mill, um, th-
0: this was a horse that it, he's run well, but he just didn't have the substance in his numbers in that Caulfield Guineas as much as historically there was a comparison with so you think, and, and rightly so, because, you know, the uh, race shape against in the Caulfield Guineas before winning the, the Cox Plate, um, but the, that number just, there wasn't enough substance in that overall number in the Caulfield Guineas, and that's what had you staying away from him.
1: Yeah, and we touched on it, didn't we, Ralph? Yeah. We talked about just like what's missing with the horse at the moment. And it's just all too much too soon. Maybe next year, this, this is, could be our Cox-Blake but Who knows, right? But it was a superb effort as well, given the circumstances and its first crack at it.
0: Uh, all right, the Speaky Preview Podcast, so you can listen to everything. We, If you didn't buy it, uh, you can listen to everything uh, that we did on the Friday, the Deep Dive and the Saturday uh, Update Podcast uh, free. We always post everything free, unedited. You can decide if we got it right or wrong. We decide uh, whatever we do our end, but we're not going to spook either way. You can listen to it and decide for yourself. Derby Day, though, this is what we're doing. You must have purchased by Thursday at 10 a.m. Please do not get in touch after 10 a.m. Thursday. You can't because of just technicalities. We're not trying to be smart. It's just the only time we can have it done by. So if you want the preview podcast, uh, Thursday, 10 a.m., uh, if you're an existing Daily Sectionals customer and already getting the uh, the race speed profiles for Flemington, you can get a top-up option. So both of those are by my website, racetrackralphy.com.au. Just click through the links on the preview podcast. And, Vince, we will be doing... The Golden Eagle in Sydney, or uh, just just that race only, if you want the race speed profiles via go to the daily sectionals, but we'll do that race only, as we did with the invitation, Vince, and that
1: was a happy race for you with Espiona winning. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was very happy the horse won. Like it, it was a bit challenging up the straight. I thought that the horse was going to dispose of him better than that but maybe that's another sign that that horse is also coming to the end of its campaign.
0: I was going to ask you that because um, Espiona, uh, you know, she was so dominant in that fourteen hundred race. We said about, you know, her, her ultimate class level, um, but uh, she had to go to the Everest. Well, they didn't have to, but they, the money's pretty hard to knock back to not have a dip, but that made her 1200. Uh, she might've had some speed out of her legs.
1: Is that what she ended up doing in the finish? Well, it was actually a, just one of those even speed contest races. Like, yes, you, you, you're running at 1.7 lengths faster than standard. And the horse actually found that challenging, Ralphie. Right. And then you, why I'm saying probably come to the end of the run is all sections are above benchmark, but you look at the last 200 metres, Ralphie, 0.1 below.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: dropped off two, two lengths over the last 200.
0: Which means there's a fair chance over the journey what Chris Waller's done. Three or four runs of prep, three or four runs of prep, three or four runs of prep. So I wonder if they do go on another one. They said they might, which might mean Melbourne. Well, I'll look at it.
1: If they do, that's fantastic. I mean, Waller's capable of doing all sorts of things. He can keep horses up. But then this adds. Value to other runners in the market without me being cruel. I
0: <laughs> oh, will duck back to Moody Valley because it's a rather good performance we haven't touched on yet. But uh, <laughs> Tom Kitten, in the Spring Champion, uh, you, you can be unlucky and lucky, unlucky, and then st- and then keep burning putters, buddy. But sometimes there's reasons for being unlucky, and they are legitimate. And on this occasion, he had the perfect race shape because Vince did
1: Rafa Attack roll along. <laughs> oh wow, eleven point four above! What was going on? <laughs> like let's go. That's what yeah. it was. Next year, make sure they have this horse running in the Cox Plate as the pacemaker. <laughs> That's all. That's all you got to do. Put him in there, pacemaker. You get paid half a million dollars for being the pacemaker. Let's go. <laughs> so Just what type of
0: performance was Tom Kitten? Because James Cummings said, oh, this could be our Cox Plate horse next year.
1: Well, I was I was actually in awe of the performance. Wow. 6.8 above benchmark, first section massive slowdown to benchmark between the 8 and the 4, rebounded with a plus 1 last 400, and actually outkicked himself between the 4, the 2, and the 2 to the finish line by about 0.2 of length. That was a monumental performance. And I took a position to say, your run could have been another two lengths better.
0: Which means this could be the best three-year-old in the country. Right now,
1: I'm sitting here saying, Yes, and are they going to go to the derby?
0: Well, here this is the other key about what what uh, what I think they think he, he could be a superstar. They've pulled the pin.
1: They pulled the pin. Yeah.
0: Fair. Now, if they thought, well, he's he's just a you know he's just a nice nice plotter or stay one pacer or whatever, they they would send him to Melbourne. But no, yeah. they obviously think this is a jet.
1: Uh, he, he's a jet. He's super powerful, and he can, comp- like, he got everything together on the weekend, even with the massive savage slowdown between the eight and the four, he became the proper racehorse. He really did, Ralphie. I was so, so impressed. I I just, Ralphie, I was watching the run and go, wow, wow, (laughs) what a performance. What a performance. I know that, you know, the competition wasn't super sharp behind it, but that's fine. You see, a lot of people are going to say, oh, but I, I ran second to it. Here's the gap: three point one above versus 0.7 below to the second horse. That's that's confirms how proper everything is. It's just like legs better than the competition.
0: Uh, Daniel's asked us about rails. Uh, rails didn't appear negative compared to the wider six to twelve as expected when rail true. What? Why does Vince think this occurred?
1: Why do I think that occurred?
0: Um, the firm with well, the looks accentuated the out- wider lanes. I guess is, is usually well, the rule.
1: Yeah. The reality was this. The majority of the horses raced like that was the lane pattern, right? I yeah. mean they were all midfield back, with the exception of one race. If you have a look at it. It was only race uh, number four, which was on pace you now one like point eight within the leader. All other runners typically came from three and a half to six lengths off the leader, right. I don't know, Ralphie. I haven't uh, studied it with any more detail yet, personally, yep. so I can't, you know, make any additional comments right now.
0: Okay, let's go back to Mooney Valley. I'll, I'll save the best to last, and we'll we'll yep. do a little, a couple of, uh, got a couple other uh, listener questions about Skybird and about uh, about a horse who flashed home late in the last from our great mate Camo about uh, Saltair So we'll save that for a bonus podcast for our Group One members. But let's go to the mile. Um, a lot of putters were in the uh, in the in the in the sick bucket with uh, with Antino. So, um, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's various reasons for a race. Before I put my take on it and put it to you, let's just get your take. What's your what's your thoughts with Antino S two velo finish?
1: Well, funny enough, like I wasn't surprised that Pro-S won. Right? Yeah. Personally, it, not that that's what I expected to win, but I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised that they weren't going to go handles bars down and all the talk about how fast they're going. I mean, we just know Jamie Carr on board, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to happen, right? Yeah. The horse is going to be run, ridden to its speed, and that was pretty good, good pace anyway, 3.9 above. Probably what destroyed everything, Ralphie, was the slowdown between the eight and the four. This, was the, uh, this is what really changed the race. Had that not have happened, maybe the outcome might have been different maybe
0: so my take was that blake knew that ollie and just folk there was a chance that would get him over racing so i reckon rather than just straight away say yep you can get outside of tuvalu i'm just going to make you work a bit and that's going to put some speed in the race and that's a, pretty much what happened because otherwise probably do tuvalu goes benchmark what what's got me beaten so they, they questioned blake okay that's good more questions are better why didn't they question james with on, uh, on bankers choice how did that help his horse going three wide, no cover, compared to following Gantino into the race. Well, it didn't. That's, that's exactly right. No. <laughs> so, so I'm saying there's a couple of different ways of looking at it. But back to the winner, we always say, be, beware, you know, the unlucky runner compared to underrating winner. This is what we wrote about prowess on our Sizzlers uh, back in uh, in. Rose Hill after a win. Outstanding winner of the Storm Queen in the fashion of a Philly with more elite races ahead. Minus 10.2 at the 800 when stalking a soft tempo. 1.2, minus 1.2 is a sound nine-length squeeze before 3.2 last 400. Last bit best bet, 2.6 last 100. This was 1.5 lengths better IVR data than a previous New Zealand PB, so upwards with no ceiling. Unusually for a Kiwi, we have no exposure on wet ground. Now, she got beaten on wet ground first up in New Zealand in a lead in. What I'm saying is that this gives us a fair chance. She could be in for a big elevation off this still.
1: She's definitely come back better. Yep. And the other thing is we're definitely going to be making more money from this horse, for sure.
0: Very interesting which way they go at the last day of the carnival,
1: whether it's a mile or 2,000. Yeah, well, where will they go beyond that? Because, I mean, this horse has got plenty of races left this campaign. might. Yeah, maybe
0: they, they do that and then go back home for a for group one. So. Oh, what, okay. Be cards there. Cool. Um, okay, let's, let's finish with... Can you believe it? It was Cox Plate Day. The best performance of the day was not in the Cox Plate. It was a pretty handy sprinter. called in pair of trees. And Vince, as you said, there was a big danger. And that was, would she stay in the
1: barriers to <laughs> Because that was the way she was going to get beaten. But what a performance. Well, this, this was stunning. This was really stunning. 0.7 above first section. 1.5 above between the eight and four. This is how you ride horses, right? 5.4 overall last 400. I mean, the the ride was sublime. Overall yep. performance, 5.7 above. Could have almost had it plus six, Ralphie just so you know, right? Yep. It was a real toss-up. I, I I just went on the uh, – I just erred on conservative in the end, right, and did it give, didn't give it the extra 0. .5. There you go. So 5.7, <laughs> that's only one horse in the sprinting ranks has gone quicker this season, right, and it yep. just shows that we have – Three stunning mares before us at the moment, and this is probably the horse that's—I would have to say—borderline top of the tree.
0: Uh, it sets up a fair race in the uh, in two weeks' time against In Secret.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be phenomenal race, that is. It's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> look forward
0: to it. Absolutely. All right. We really appreciate you listening to the year-round carnival. Uh, members bonus today, like I said, Skybird, and we'll have a look at the VARs as well. Um, and if you want to be a member, uh, the fact support the fact that we're corporate bookmaker free, we are independent. Uh, every, uh, every week you get emailed, best of the day from Melbourne, best of the day from Sydney, the breakdowns from our sizzlers, as well as, like I said, a group one bonus podcast. Most weeks when we can provide some good info, we certainly do because we appreciate people who support us. And on Thursday... Must be bought by 10 a.m. Thursday, the big derby preview as well as the race speed profiles and audio only of the uh, look into the fantastic Golden Eagle at Rose Hill. Thanks so much for listening to Year Round Carnival.